the CEO Diaries, powered by Harper Ellis Hairco. Welcome back to another episode of the CEO Diaries. So I want to start by sharing one of my favorite quotes, and it's that people begin to be successful the moment they decide to be. And I think you are a prime example of this. Okay. So I want you to share your story today. But I w- are you okay with starting at chapter one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> let's start at the beginning, the very okay. beginning. Okay. So tell us what your childhood was like. Yeah, so um, I had a really awesome childhood. Um, in a lot of ways that probably people wouldn't expect to be like, oh, that was an awesome yes. childhood. <laughs> um, I had two parents that really, really loved me. Mm-hmm. And to this day, as a parent myself, I could not be more thankful for that. Um, you know, I know that now as a 32-year-old, am I 32? Yeah. I think so. There's nothing more important than having people that love you to your core yes. and will do anything to see you succeed or see you, you mm-hmm. know, do well in life. And, um, but you know, my parents, as now that I am a 32 year old, you know, they had tough times in themselves. They were figuring mm-hmm. out life as well. And you know, my parents, uh, they actually divorced when I was in fifth grade. And, um, you know, I, to me, when there's things like that happening in your life, like there's always a blessing behind it, you mm-hmm. know, initially, Maybe not a good thing. And, and there's so many people out there. Divorce is, unfortunately, a very typical thing in our mm-hmm. world. And um, But when they divorced, you know, my mom went to be, you know, she's a single mom. She was a school teacher. I always tell this in classes. Yeah. I'm like, if you guys were raised by educators, yes. you know you're not rich. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think looking back, I don't think, I know that times were a little yeah. bit tough for my mom from time to time. Um, you know, and I've seen her. Back then, she was in her 30s and, you know, close to my age now, Mm -hmm. which is wild to think about. But I've seen her grow, and now she, my mom just turned 60, and I've seen her, you know, improve her life over the last 30 years, and I love that. Yeah. And because I remember a time when I know that she wished it was probably different. Yeah, totally. And it's hard when you're a mother, and you've got kids, and you've got people to take care of, and then you're still trying to figure it out yourself. Um that's a, that's a hard journey to be on because mm-hmm. I've been there. Yeah. Um, and then my dad, you know, um, kind of same with him. There was a lot that I'm sure he was figuring out. Always a hard worker and always um, someone that both of them provided for us mm-hmm. um, for what we needed. Yeah. Um, but the one thing about my two parents is, you know, they, I don't know if they purposely taught me this, mm-hmm. but they taught me that, you know, if you want your situation to change, mm-hmm. you have to change it. Yeah. And even as a child, when, you know, you, a lot of children, you know, you think, and I'm not trying to like empower children in this episode, but really like, even as a child, you know, I know that you're, you're under your parents scope and I know that your parents responsibility is to take care of you. But even as a child, you have the power to change Mm -hmm. things around you. I agree. And, you know, when my mom was, you know, left and, and I I would, I was between them two with joint custody. I spent a week with my mom a week with my dad I would actually never advise that um I loved being able to see them both equally Mm -hmm. and I know that that was the common ground that we settled on and and I think that's great but I lived out of a suitcase as a child Mm -hmm. and um I still live out of a suitcase as an adult so maybe it just prepped me it just prepped you (laughs) maybe it just that's why you can pack so fast you're right I can pack in a matter of like like that so um but you know I was always on the go and 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 that 
I think that taught me. It did me. It did me better more than it, mm-hmm. it hurt me. Yeah. And so I, I, even though sometimes it sucked, I pr- appreciate it now. Yes. But um, you know, my dad worked. My dad was gone and and not gone, but he he worked at like he drove he drove a truck for Dolly Madison. Do you know what Dolly I, Madison I is? I don't know what that is. I don't know that you're old enough. Um, <laughs> Patty, do you know what Dolly Madison is? Both of you guys are in your younger twenties, so yeah. <laughs> probably not. Dolly Madison is like a Little Debbie. Oh, okay. it was like a different. I know what brand. that is. Yeah, so we still have Little Debbie. I don't even know that Dolly Madison is still on the shelves anywhere. I, maybe it is, but um, anyway, he drove a truck for Dolly Madison, a bakery, and um, and then you know he always drove trucks throughout his whole mm-hmm. life. Pepsi, um, I think he even worked for Coke maybe for a little bit, and Wonder Bread. And yes, so yeah. That's just what my dad did. Yeah. A lot. So we had to get out of bed at. Two and three in the morning, mm-hmm. and go to work, and drive the truck, and stock the shelves on all these stores, and and so he was going to bed at mm-hmm. early time, seven o'clock, seven mm-hmm. p.m. And when my parents divorced, you know that was probably not idea for having yeah. kids because he was going to bed, and we were still yeah doing Lord knows what. At that point, we yeah. weren't can't be tamed, and yeah. you know that's why there are still probably BB holes in the walls of this house that we used to live in. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My brother and I used to be like, well, we're on our own. Yeah, you got this. Yeah. So, Came on. Yeah. Um, but he had to work. You know, that's what he did to survive. And and he was just looking back now as an adult, like he did what he could to make things work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which with a very inconvenient situation, yeah. you know, I mean, it was just not work hours were not convenient, but he did what he could. And so, my mom being gone, I had a brother, and, and my brother and my dad are a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I probably took on some responsibility that I wasn't asked to take on. Yeah. You know, I, I just wasn't. Like, my parents weren't like, you got to clean the house. This is your, even though we had chores and yeah. responsibilities that they wanted us to do. But I never forget, like, one time I had my dad take me to Lowe's, maybe. Maybe it was Lowe's. And I bought a bunch of plants. Yeah. And I redid our entire flower beds because it'd been probably years since yeah. they'd been touched. When my mom was a flower bed girl, and when she left, and my dad kept the house that we grew up in, and I redid the entire flower bed. I'm talking like the plastic down underneath the mulch yeah. and everything. And he helped me, you know, yeah. maybe it was a weekend and he was off or something and he was able to help me. But, um, my, I remember my point behind doing that was I wanted to have a friend over mm-hmm. and I wanted the house to look better. Yeah. And so I didn't, it wasn't like that didn't happen to me mm-hmm. at that moment. It happened for me. Yeah. You know, I was just like, yeah. okay, this is great. It. Yeah. Like I, I, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have to fix the flower bed. So I'm not embarrassed about the appearance mm-hmm. of our home or it wasn't even about that. It was just like, I have the opportunity to make my situation better. And mm-hmm. I did, yeah. you know? And so a lot of things in my life happened like that, you know, and, and, you know, I wanted to have people over. It was my job, you know, I had to help with the dishes and I had to help with mm-hmm. cleaning the house and, and making my surrounding better. And I was in fifth grade mm-hmm. and, you know, I think now looking back, I'm 32 and obviously a lot of you guys know what's happened in my life. Like that has been my every, how I've lived every single day. Mm-hmm. Like it is in my power to make everything around me better. Yeah. And I will be so forever thankful for my childhood and, and how I was raised, even though it wasn't the fluffy childhood that I'm mm-hmm. sure Fletcher will get to yeah. live and do. And, and I hope that in some way, somehow, that I can teach him the same lessons that yeah. I was yeah. able to be able to taught um, or 
was able to be taught because yes. it taught me so much of how, and that's why my businesses are successful. Like mm-hmm. I, I every day come in and I'm able to change my environment for the better. And yeah. so that's a little bit about chapter one. I love that. So yeah. kind of break it down a little bit more context of like, what are some of those main lessons that you learned by, you know, taking on such responsibilities or kind of like the woman of the household, I guess you yeah. could say. Yeah. I mean, at you such know, a young age. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I've always been a girl's girl. Like, really, I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was with my dad, at my dad's, I was with my dad and my brother. And so, you know, I had to kind of take on some of the things that, as men, I don't know why we've categorized jobs. Yeah. But we yeah. do. Like, let's be real. We all do. Yeah. Even now to this day, I'm like, that's a boy job. I am not doing that. <laughs> and so, you know, as a very young person, yeah. I, I did take on some things that probably young kids probably don't do. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I'd help with the house when I could. I wasn't very consistent. I'll yeah. just tell you that. Um, you know, I, I was I was a kid a lot. And yes. so, you know, kind of being that person for my dad because my mom, you know, she met someone else and got remarried and and I'll be forever thankful for that. I have an amazing stepdad. Mm-hmm. And, um, but my dad actually never did move yeah. on and never, or he probably moved on, but yeah. he didn't remarry or remarried. date yeah. or bring anyone else in for us. And so um, I kind of felt as a child that I needed to be that for my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, there is such a purpose in life for a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And they both serve such powerful yeah. powerful purposes and um, I'm not talking about them it's the woman's job to be home and doing the dishes and I'm not even talking about that I'm just talking about because that that doesn't work this way I'm gonna tell you right now in my household I don't do the dishes yes. my yeah. husband is mostly doing them. <laughs> thank god for you Josh yeah but yeah. um you know there's such a purpose in life for a man and a woman yes, and you know kind of being that for my dad to be able to help out when he was trying to work so hard to provide mm-hmm. and I just felt that sense of I need I felt that he needed me and now mm-hmm. looking back I don't know that he did yeah. you know yeah. I, he may or may not have but I felt needed yes. and so when I did felt needed instead of me being sort of a victim to that mm-hmm. need I I was excited to be able to yeah. provide and help out yeah and so um it's just crazy how when you grow up and things, you know, now I have all these businesses and, and all these things and, and that's how I do my everyday life mm-hmm. now. It totally shaped me into what I am now. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned that, you know, with your mom being in education, he was like a truck driver and always having to like work. And like, so I take from that, it's probably not the highest income household. Definitely not. So how did that affect you and kind of what your vision for your future wanted to be like, or yeah. did it? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, I remember, like, to us, there were little luxuries about life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, our family vacation in most years were, like, we'd go to SeaWorld in San Antonio, which you guys don't judge me, this is where Blackfish came out and all the things. And if you've watched the recent videos, you know that I really have a passion Should for being a well trainer at SeaWorld. <laughs> I won't go into that, no. <laughs> but we did that a lot. Yes, so yeah. That's where that well, came that's where your dream come from. I like right. it. And so, um, you know, little luxuries. You know, our family always tried to take us on vacations. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had what we needed. Mm-hmm. And that was a luxury. Yeah. And, you know, I never went without. But... I watched my parents work so hard, both of them equally, Mm -hmm. 
and my mom, you know, being an educator, and that's why I'm such a, like, I'm so passionate about educators, especially in our school system, public school systems, because they're so mistreated. Yeah, like, they are. It hurts my feelings really bad mm-hmm. because I've watched my mom. She's She gives and gives and gives to these kids that aren't even hers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she loves them, and clearly she don't do it for the money. No. Like, girlfriend's got her master's degree, and I've made probably more money than her since I was... In my lower 20s. Yeah. And so, you know, she obviously does it for the love of those kids. And mm-hmm. she's so very passionate about what she does. And she's good at it. Um, and so, growing up, I, I kind of got angered towards that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't lie. And I'm, I'm not even sure that I've ever said these words to my mom. And if mom, if you're listening, um, thanks for, I guess, you know, kind of creating this path for me because yeah. I always got kind of angry because even in the summer she was a coach, she was a basketball mm-hmm. coach. Um, benching you all the time. Bench, bench me. <laughs> I needed to be benched, let's be real. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she was constantly sun up to sundown. She drove a bus in the morning because mm-hmm. that was extra income for us. She drove a bus in the morning, so, my gosh, she was leaving the house at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then she was getting a coach. So sometimes it was 10 o'clock before she would ever get home mm-hmm. at night. And so, you know, no matter how hard she worked, no matter how many hours she put into the job, making more money was out of the question. Mm-hmm. And I hate that for educators because yeah. we would have more of them. You guys are wondering mm-hmm. why we're short. I know my mom's school specifically, she just told me yesterday, um, her school is, sh- or the Forsman school system is short, like 40 something teachers. And I'm like, <laughs> the system is so broken. Yeah. Like, you guys, these are the people that are providing education and shaping our children to be what our future is going to be. And we don't want to do something to, mm-hmm. we don't want to tax ourselves. We don't want to do something to give them more money. Like that's another episode for another day, but I get really angry yeah. about it. And so the the whole system is just so freaking broken, but she, no matter how hard she works, she never makes more money. And that's always really hurt my feelings. Yeah. And I, I hate that because I knew it shaped me. Because, you know, there were times that I knew that my mom lived paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And that's no secret. I know that she would say that now. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live like that. And there's been times that even I have made a lot of money. You know, my my salary was large or I was making a ton of money behind the chair. And I was still paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lot of people are, yeah. you know, we just got back from Miami this past week and someone was explaining that to us. Like you still make a lot of money. You're still paycheck to paycheck. And it's just because of how we operate yeah. and how we do things. And so that's why not to plug a, the cell here, but that's why I'm really, really excited about the legacy program, um, for 2024 yeah. with Harper Ellis, because I want to change that Yeah. with hairdressers. I want wealthy hairdressers just yeah. be bopping around town. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if, if it, if it doesn't do it, there's nothing's going to do no. it. No, there's not. It's going to be so awesome. I'm so excited. Maybe we'll do an episode about the program. Maybe. Do we want one? You yes. let us know. We want one. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, you know, clearly you work really, really hard. And you've worked really hard to get to where you're at now. Well, tell us a little bit of those jobs that you took on. Kind of tell us about those the ages you took on those jobs, you know, before you even started the hair industry. Because I know you have some fun ones that 
amaze me. Jobs. Some of them crack me up. Like, let's just talk about those for a minute. Yeah, I always worked. Like, my first job I was at 15, and my parents just was, you know, like, you want gas money? You want... I was really obsessed with all the expensive jeans, you know. And, yeah. Was well, it Buckle Aber- at the time? Well, Buckle, it was the, Buckle was the secondary option, but then, you know, Abercrombie came out with theirs. They oh, weren't too expensive, yeah. but then Buckle did come yeah. out with, like, the Miss Me's and, yeah. like, all the cool ones, and, like, they were a hundred and something dollars. Yeah. My parents thought I was delusional. Yeah. And as, you know... I had to have my grandma buy mine. Right. So I, my mom's like, no, that ain't happening. Well, I had to get a job to get those jeans. So <laughs> Thanks, grandma. So driven by fashion. Yes. Um, so yeah, my first job was at the golf course in Mulder. It's actually not even open anymore. I'll probably put it in bankruptcy. Who knows? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, I worked at the front. Yeah. I just served those old men Coca-Cola's out of the Coke machine yeah. and, and whatever we were selling inside there. And, yeah. and I, had, I had a blast. I cleaned the carts. I put them up at night. I closed it down. Um, but I'll never forget my first paycheck. I, I it was one hundred sixty-seven dollars and forty-eight cents, mm-hmm. and one pair of jeans. And that was like one pair of jeans. Yeah. But you know, at that time, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, I can make more money! Yeah. Like I can." It, it made me an animal because yeah. I loved that feeling of like I have the power to, you know, because as a child, I always was put in situations that I could not control. Yes, yeah. and. That taught me mm-hmm. that I wanted to control my situation yeah. always. And so that job was my way of controlling, mm-hmm. you know, how much money I had. And, and God forbid the $167 wouldn't be, wouldn't even feed you sometimes this day and time. But, um, and that was, I think, for two weeks. For yeah. two weeks I had $167. Girlfriend was rich. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I then went to serving tables. I figured out after that job that serving tables was going to be the way that I could make yeah. a lot of money and not a lot of time. Because you can also get tips. Exactly. The better I mean, you are, the better the tips. Oh, serving tables is, the, if the you don't have a college degree, if you don't have a like a career path, like I would wait tables to this yeah. day and I'd be the best damn waitress there was and yeah. I would be, I'd be doing just fine, mm-hmm. trust me. And so I've always felt good that I have that to fall back yeah. on. Um. And then I waited tables most of all of my life mm-hmm. until I went to cosmetology school. And I did that through cosmetology school. My very last job serving tables I actually got fired from. Um, <laughs> that man. I think I was just a total smartass to him. And was That was his your fault? Uh, definitely. Oh, probably. Okay. Well, he was just kind of aggressive with me on a mistake that I honestly just made. Yeah. And whenever he got kind of hateful, I, then I was like... I probably said something that yeah. offended him. Actually, I know I did. <laughs> and he fired me. So I was yeah. like, okay. So um, that was during cosmetology yeah. school. I was I had rent due. I was living up there. It was that was an hour and a half away from where I'm from. So I wasn't living at home. I was had a roommate and I had to pay rent. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. And so I'd actually started applying to the first job that I ever got in the hair industry and that Mm -hmm. was in Las Vegas and I hadn't heard back yet. Um, I didn't know that I had the job and, um, I had a friend that her dad owned funeral homes. Yeah. And he was like, this this story. He was like, (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I think he took us to dinner one night. He was like a cool dad. He like was really involved with all the kids and, you know, so I went to cosmetology school with his other daughter and, 
Megan, if you're listening to this, listen to this, tell your dad, shout out. <laughs> um, but he was like, you should come and just do hair and makeup for my clients. And I was like, clients? Question mark? Question mark. I think your clients are dead. <laughs> he was like, you're correct. You're they correct. are dead. <laughs> so I'll just tell you, I didn't last very long at that job either. He didn't fire me though. I had to quit. It just was a rough one. You know, I, I was all right when they when they were old and like 90 years old and mm. I was made up stories yeah. in my mind like, oh, sweet Betty, they probably lived a yes, nice really life. Good, nice yeah, life. like yeah. she was probably ready to go to the Lord. Yeah. But then when there was like some younger people, I was like, mm, I can't do this can't anymore. can't do this, yeah. And so luckily when I decided I could not do that anymore, hey, they paid well though. Yeah. Paid well and they didn't complain. Yeah. They don't. <laughs> Public family. The clients did not complain. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, there were some there were some pros and cons about that job for sure. But it taught me a lot. Like I was before that job, I was like kind of freaked out about yeah. death. Yeah. And I think that job. I don't want to die right now. We're getting morbid here. But yeah. <laughs> that job yeah. kind of changed my perspective. Perception. I can't talk. Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. Perception or perception. Perception. Yeah, either one. Um, on death and just kind of like got me to a place of, I don't know. It, it was good for my character building. So, yeah. Um, yeah, did that. And then finally, right after that is when I applied for, or right during that time is when I applied mm -hmm. for my job in Las Vegas. And I've talked a little bit about that in the last yeah. episode, and um, that job was really hard for me to get. I had to basically beg for that job, and I had to be like, I will clean your toilets. Yeah. I will do whatever you want me to do. Just hire me. And I really wanted to work for this guy. And, um, I did. I got that job, and I moved out to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. I told my mom, I'm like, pack up my car. We're, I'm moving. And she's like, where are you going to live? I'm like, I have no idea. I don't, that's, do I, I was going to figure that out when I got there. Yeah. She was like, that's not really how that works. <laughs> but good luck. So granted you guys, this is 2009. Yeah. So a different day and time than now. Um, but I found a roommate on Craigslist. Oh, that's, that's safe. I totally I'm happy found, for you. Yes. I I'm found, glad you're still here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I found a roommate on Craigslist and I had two prospects and when we were going to get to Las Vegas, I had appointments set up with them and my mom and I were going to interview. Mm -hmm. One sweet lady that I actually chose. Um, she was in seminary school, which when my mom heard all that, she's like, oh, that is a front. She's going to kill you. Like, this yeah. is that. <laughs> She's just pretending to love Jesus, and later she's going to kill me. And I ended up picking her, um, and she turned out really great. Really good. And, you know, we didn't have the same. She was like a dietitian also, and we didn't have the same diet. It was That was kind of hard, um, but it's, it was fine. We weren't, like, great friends, but yeah. it worked out perfect. Like, yeah. I rented a room upstairs in her house. And I had my own bathroom room, mm -hmm. and I utilized her kitchen, and basically I just worked all the time. Yeah. But then my other person that I interviewed, um, she actually worked for BCBG and had what, this, like... What is that? <laughs> BCBG? Like the fashion line? Oh. Yeah. I thought I was up to date yeah. on everything. Guess yeah. not. <laughs> like the fashion line, BCBG. Yeah. And she would worked for them. She lived in L.A. and then moved to Las Vegas, which everyone was moving to Las Vegas at this yeah. time because... Recession hit, yeah. and you could buy this huge house for nothing. Yeah. It was insane. Like, I wish so bad I had money back then because yeah. I would have bought something and then resold it now and be a millionaire. Yeah. And so, um, 
anyway, so I didn't go with her because she was like never home. Mm -hmm. And she lived in this really nice big house that she had no furniture in. Yeah. She had a really cool pool. Would have been an awesome yeah. situation. However, like my mom was like, you are 19 years old. Yeah. I'm not letting you live in this house by yourself no. pretty much all the time. Because she traveled yeah. back and forth. Um, to LA back then. So anyway, nice lady. I'm yeah. sure she would have worked out great. Actually, I think I I interviewed three. There was another guy. His name was Jared. He's still on my Facebook. We comment on each other's stuff sometimes. Yeah. But it was him and his girlfriend at the time. I think they're married now. Yeah. They lived happily ever after. Um, but my mom was just like, eh, kind of weird. They're dating. Like, yeah. you'd kind of be imposing on their relationship. Yeah. But they were so nice. He's an architect. Um, well, I guess it's, it may have worked out for the best. Yeah, it was great. They're married now. I probably yeah. would have totally destroyed their, I don't even know, just being this annoying 18-year-old. Just like, yeah. hey, I'm here to live. <laughs> yeah. Here's my baggage. Um, so wild times. Like yeah. I, And looking back now, 32 years, like I would never let my son do that. However, my mom knew. Like I was just trying to make it work. Yes, yeah. And I couldn't afford to go out and get an apartment on my own. Mm -hmm. And my mom had no option of giving me cash every month to mm -hmm. help me pay rent. And so... I didn't know how much money I was going to... I didn't take this job for money. No. I didn't. I didn't even know what I was going to get paid. Yeah. And I, I mean, he told me the pay, but it wasn't much. Yeah. And so, I just... That was my way of making it work, and I did. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I moved out from my Craigslist roommate and got a, another apartment that was really awesome yeah. down on Las Vegas Boulevard, and, and you know, life moved on. And yeah. so... Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of my journey to yeah. get to Las Vegas and stayed out there and um, yeah. So that you know that got you, you know, from childhood through your teens, it got you started in the hair industry. Mm -hmm. So from the hair industry, can you kind of tell us a little bit about your story of like, I you know we know you've been in Vegas, you worked there for a while, like. Where did where did you go from there to where you're at now? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people don't know where my extension background came from. Yeah. <laughs> and I've actually never told it publicly because, yeah. hello, judgment. But I'm in this part in my career where I don't really care about judgment. Yeah. And so um, I just am who I am. I love me or hate me. That's just where I'm at. So um, when I lived out in Las Vegas, I, you know, had a group of friends and, we had so much fun. I mean, we were literally, I turned 21 when I lived out there. And so there you go. I mean, perfect yeah. age to live in Las Vegas. Like, and really and truly I had so much self-control yeah. because we all know the things that happened in Las Vegas. Like yeah. I never got in trouble. I never did anything else, but I respected what I did every day yeah. as a job. And so there was such that fine line of yeah. like, you know, go out and have fun. But like I had to be present every day at my job. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I got into, you know, hanging out with kind of a friend group that introduced me to one person and the other person, mm -hmm. and um, I actually started, like, getting really interested in, in extensions, mm -hmm. and um, I got certified with a company, I won't say it, just yeah. because it doesn't matter, but yeah. it was like a Keratin Bond yeah. um, company, and I fell in love with hair extensions, like... Yeah. There was one or two people in the salon that would do it every mm -hmm. once in a while, but they just didn't do it all the time. And I was like, this is something. Like, yeah. this Why are you is, not doing this? This is yeah. Las Vegas. Like, people want hair. Yeah. And so, um, just from, like, connections and being here and there, here and there, um, I started to make a clientele with um, professional dancers. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, good people, words. People good that words. get paid to dance, like maybe on a pole or something. You know, it's, it's cash pole. And so they became a lot of my clients. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God. I mean, these girls were coming in paying cash for all this hair extensions. And it was like a thing for me. Yeah. And I became this thing of like, I was always, I was the hair extension girl. Yes. Yeah. And you know, if I would have stayed in Las Vegas, I 100% know that I would have taken over mm -hmm. that entire area with hair extensions. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't long after that, like, my life just happened, and um, I just, there was a point in time where my boss and I weren't seeing completely eye to mm -hmm. eye, and, you know, not that he was in the wrong, or really that I was in the wrong. It just, it just different. we just went different ways, and um, I moved back home. I'll never regret moving back home. But when I got back home, Fort Smith, Arkansas, never seen hair extensions. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have, but, you know. And so I moved back home, and I was, I love, because every day on my Facebook memories, like, yeah. all these clients post, like, it's, they're all, honestly, my work was horrible, too, back then, but, um, compared to what it is now. But um, I have all these before and after photos of mm -hmm. these clients, and this was back in 2010, 2011, and I was doing these weft extensions, mm -hmm. and, and that's where it all started. So you you got us through your story, you know, through Vegas, and then you told us you're you know you're coming home. So once you got back to Fort Smith, like, did you just open up Salon Five Zero Four? Yeah. Immediately, or what did you yeah. do then? No, I mean, you know, coming back, I, I like had twenty dollars to my name. Yeah. Like, I had enough money to buy my dad a plane ticket to get come out there and get me and all my stuff mm -hmm. and drive me back to Oklahoma. And so when I got back, I was like, well, I went to Cosmo or Cosmoprof, I guess it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cosmoprof. And I bought like enough color on my way back. I like posted about me coming back. I had nowhere, I had nowhere to work. Yeah. I had no idea where I was going to do hair at. <laughs> I posted, I'm like, guess what? Fort Smith, you know, I'm coming back and, um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing hair in Fort Smith. It's all about that marketing. Right. And and that's the thing. Like, yeah. back then, no one was doing marketing. Yeah. And so I took over mm -hmm. quickly because no one else was doing that. And yeah. I saw a gap there. And so I was just like, Phew. And so I basically had a book of clients before I ever made it. It took me two days to drive back from mm -hmm. Las Vegas to Oklahoma. And I had an entire, like, weeks full of people um, before I ever even had a place that's to work. That's awesome. And I got back in town and, you know, being here through Christmas and like, you know, holidays and stuff, I had saw this cute little shop downtown mm -hmm. um, and it was called Distinction Salon. And as soon as I got back, I found out who the owner was, went in, I'm like, I'm looking for a place. She's like, yeah, I have a booth open. Okay, awesome. Ended up being kind of a weird deal. Like a lot of the stylists didn't work. Like they mm -hmm. rented booths there, but they didn't actually work. And so I basically had the salon to myself yeah. all the time. And so it was perfect because I was already double booking yeah. and triple booking and doing things that stylists also weren't yeah. used to. And so it was great. I was just filling up all the chairs that yeah, were my clients. Yeah, used to everybody else's yeah. that they were paying for. Yeah. So, <laughs> Why um, not? Right. And so I you know, went to Cosmoprof. I got enough color to basically... I pro I'm sure my mom gave me a few bucks. Mm -hmm. She had to have. I didn't have any money. And so um, I basically bought enough to take care of those clients and then that's when it all started mm -hmm. and I started you know just racking in all this money and you know I know within my first year back I made six figures yeah. um I was terrible with finances mm -hmm. I blew it as soon as I got it um 
I never even figured out, other than filing my taxes, how much, and a lot of it was cash, so mm-hmm. I don't even know how much money I was making. Um, when I got back, I was doing really well. I'll never forget. The first thing I did, I went out and bought this cute little white BMW. <laughs> Terrible idea. Do not do that, people. Um, it wasn't that expensive. It was a yeah. used car and whatever else. But, you know, I really thought I was high on the hog. But, no, I spent eight years renting a booth and figuring it out. <laughs> I knew that the goal was to open a salon because yeah. I wanted a team so bad. When I was in Las Vegas, I had a team, and I missed that <laughs> environment and that culture. And um, But there wasn't anything in Fort Smith that I was yeah. going to do because there mm-hmm. was nothing in Fort Smith like what I wanted to open. And so... Um, between that time, I actually started dating my ex-husband, and we got married. He lives three hours away from here. Um, I moved off, and that's a whole episode in itself. It does not really matter. Yeah, um, it's fast. But we divorced after three years, and, and within that last year of marriage is when I started to open up mm-hmm. the salon here. All within that time, I was coming back to town and yeah. keeping my clientele up, and and I just lived this crazy life where I was always on the road. But, um, yeah, we actually refinanced our home for me to open the, mm-hmm. the salon because, again, I had no money. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've always – I've started every business that I've ever had from zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is important for people to understand. Like, you know, you don't have to have money to start a business. Yeah. You don't. Like, yeah. you, you, you do at some point. you got to figure it out. you got to find the money. Yeah. But I did. I found the money. We refinanced the home. I got a little bit of cash back out mm-hmm. of it. And um, that's the money I used to open mm-hmm. the salon. And last year, the salon was five years old. And I walked to that bank, and I paid off that loan in full. And now it's a debt-free business. Yeah, and so, like yeah, it's really amazing. And so I, um, you know, it's, it's you just have to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is it, the, what is the saying you say all the time about? Just do it and figure it out later. What? I know yeah, it's mean, better than that. What is yeah. it? You, <laughs> I don't even know if it's the exact. Uh, make the decision now and figure yes. it out later. Yes, yes. Yeah. Is what I always say. Yeah. Because my businesses and my success has all come from my, my ability to make a decision. Yeah. Like, you guys that are like, oh, I'm going to think about it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and I hear it all the time with like Harper's education mm-hmm. when stylists are like, oh, I'll just have to, I'll think about it. I'm going to talk to my husband. That's my favorite. Because I'm like, you girls ain't going home and talking to your husband about it. Let's be real. Um, And some of you might be. But, you know, it's always something. It's like, we're going to think about it. We're going to, you know, do Mm -hmm. this. But I'm like, no. My success completely came from my ability to go, no, this is the decision. I'm making it. And then I'm going to figure it out later. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's with money. That's with everything. Like, I will purchase things and figure it out later. Mm -hmm. I just made a $480,000 purchase, what, three days ago? Oh, yeah. And, you know, not the most comfortable thing. Yeah. And so I am going to figure that out later. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. <laughs> and every one of you should be, too. Because yeah, sure. you're, go- you're going to be able to tell the difference of where that, that money is going to. Yeah, so exactly. You just wait. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we've kind of covered your pretty much your whole story up to, you know, because we all know that shortly after opening the salon, we opened, opened up Harper Ellis Hair Co. Yeah. And... You know, I think we all know the story here. Yeah. Like we've talked about that a lot. So I kind of want to go from a different perspective. It's like, you know, we've talked about this story, but can you explain to me or like how has this story impacted your vision for not only yourself, but also for Harper Ellis Haircut? Yeah, I mean, you know, I love the post that my Instagram made. My Instagram was a 
It's my team made it yeah. for me. <laughs> it, it does it itself. <laughs> my Instagram made this post. Yeah. But no, on Sunday, it was like, tell yourself, tell me a lie that you tell to yourself. Yeah. And what I loved about all those comments, it was just like, you know, a lot of limiting self-beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling Aubrey this in the airport. I was actually with Aubrey and Casey Hicks. And if you guys know the relationship there, like, Aubrey's all, on, on board with me. Aubrey gets me. Mm-hmm. Casey Hicks is a man, and he looks at me like I'm crazy sometimes. But after explaining myself, he was like, no, I get it. But I know that I have this superhuman power. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that I have a crazy ability. Mm -hmm. And what my ability is, is that I have the ability to make anything that I want come to life. Mm -hmm. There's two things with that. I owe a lot of that to God, Mm -hmm. because I think that that's how, and not to get preaching here, or, you know... But I love Jesus Christ, and, and he's the reason why I'm able to do the things that I am. Mm-hmm. And But he wants that for everybody. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is my ability is something that he's given me because I take full advantage of yeah. the gifts that God has given me. Yeah. And everyone has that same opportunity. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just live their entire lives. They just and never realize it. Yeah. And so... I take my ability and I make things happen and they're hard. They're hard things. They don't come to me overnight. You guys just see the aftermath. You see the multimillion dollar businesses. Mm -hmm. You see the team, you see the the nice cars, you see the, the, the lifestyle, the, the flying around the U S all the time. You guys see the things that are the highlights. Mm -hmm. You don't see the bullshit that I've had to deal with behind the scenes to make things happen. But through all the hardship and through when things get tough, mm-hmm. I've just kept going and yeah. I've, you know, I've ignored people and I've put my blinders on and I've made it happen. But that's what I did in my childhood mm-hmm. was, you know, little things. It, it compares totally to what I do now. Like mm-hmm. the jeans. My parents are like, you're crazy. I'll buy you one pair of those jeans and I'll never buy you one again. But yeah. I wanted a ton of those jeans. Yeah. They were going to change my life yeah. and they probably did in some ways. Yeah. As ridiculous as that sounds, I made that happen. I went mm-hmm. out and I got a job and I got one that would pay me enough to survive and buy me some of those jeans. I made that happen. Mm-hmm. I was one of the probably the less fortunate financially kids in school. And I guarantee you I had a better wardrobe than anybody. Yeah. But I made that happen for myself. Yeah. And so um, that's the way I've always lived my life. Yeah. I, I just make it happen. You see it, you make mm-hmm. it happen. I agree with that. Yeah. So a lot of this is talking about, you know, your your childhood adversity and like some of the things you've had to overcome, which I feel like you've had a lot of adversity, not even just childhood, but you know, a lot of the times when people are faced with adversity, they shut down and they just kind of ride out life and just, you know, like, woe is me or, you know, I'm, I'm just destined to be this way. Like what, what is that advice? What is your advice for those people into like stepping into their future and changing what their future is going to be? Yeah, I mean, I would love the opportunity to answer this in the most non-fluffy way. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone gets these fun quotes and these fun things when people are asked questions Mm -hmm. like this. But um, seriously, just stop being a victim Mm -hmm. to what happens to you. Yeah. Because I promise you that every little thing that is inconvenient, hurts you, is painful, is a, you could call it a roadblock. Mm -hmm. All of those things are things that really do benefit you and will benefit you if you allow it to. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, just this yes, yesterday I had a phone call, and, and if this person's listening to this podcast, I love you so much. Um, but I had a phone call, and it was a friend, and she's starting a new business, and she was just so discouraged because um, she told someone else about her business idea, and then they basically, within the next 24 hours, like, went and launched it online and, oh, wow. and did all these things. Yeah, it was, and, but that's just how all people yeah. operate. But yeah. after I got off the phone, I, and I gave her the best advice I had at that moment, but after I got off the phone... I was like, you know, that don't happen to you. That happens for you mm-hmm. because now this person has stuck their neck out there and now you have every opportunity to go do it better. Yeah. Like, go do it better. They get to be the trial run. Yeah, they get you. to be the trial run and make themselves look silly. Mm-hmm. And then you get to come out on top. Like, so every little thing like that, even though, like, things happen, you're stabbed in the heart and you're just like, oh, and it discourages you and gives you, you know, steps backwards. It happens for you, not to you. Yeah. Trust me. I love that. Um, in business, I've had, I mean, I've had so many things happen, and, and this is a whole other episode, but a lot of you guys don't know that when Harper Ellis started, um, we almost went bankrupt within the first month. Mm-hmm. And we trusted a manufacturer, and they sent us over, I think, $150,000 worth of bad product that we could not resell. And then when we approached them, they, could, they wouldn't do anything for us. And... I could have quit. Mm-hmm. That could have been the end of Harper Ellis Co. And we would have not been the business we are today, which is a $10 million business. Yeah. And so that could have happened to me and not for me. Yeah. But no, it happened for me because it allowed me to go, all right, I'm not effing around anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go find people that I can trust because yeah. I know they're out there. And that can help me produce the product that's going to be even better than the original mm-hmm. one. And that's what happened. Yeah. And now we're a $10 million business and we're about to be a $100 million yeah. business. And so, it happens for you. Trust me. Just you got to take the punches and keep going. I love that so yeah. much. And you know, with that being said, we're going to conclude this episode. Yeah. Um, be sure to tune in because I have an idea about what the next one's going to be, and you will not want to miss it. Legacy program? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Bye.